Section 23 of Neighbourhood, A Year's Life in and About an English Village by Tickner Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12. December, Part 1. We sat on the churchyard wall, the Reverend and I, debating many things it was one of those silent gloomy afternoons that would be cold but for their exceeding stillness a heavy grey pall of sky lowered overhead a multitude of noisy sparrows was going to bed in the thicket of ilex and dew denoting that the time was nearing sunset although not a tinge of sunset colour showed in the shrouded west the same impulse it seemed had brought us both out of doors which elementally was nothing more than a sudden realization of the impossibility of remaining within in the whole year's round perhaps there come only two or three days like this you become the prey of a conviction that something cataclysmic is going to happen there is a sense of the world slowing down in its age-long giddy race through the pathless ether a feeling that its momentum is almost spent and that any instant it may come to a final stop to be followed by the last trump and dissolution of all things the mute house seems alive about you and full of a sort of terror and foreboding you are seized with an apprehension that the ceilings and roof are falling in and hurrying forth a like doubt comes upon you as to the stability of the sky it looks so overburdened and unsafe in this easeless impotent frame of mind i came up into the churchyard as being the most reassuring place i could think of and found the reverend wandering there for a like reason and in much the same mood wind and dirty weather coming said he the sort of times to make people think of home and fireside the need for human peace on earth and goodwill towards men the very weather for me as we sat on the wall silent a while the bells in far-off stavisham began their chime every note drifting over to us sharp and clear through the miles of torpid air winter coming he went on the winter we all need once a year to knit us closer together listen to st barnabas practising his christmas carolins forging his link in the chain of bell-ringing that in a week or two will stretch all round the world it is my time coming my own time for did you ever think how little eyesight matters at christmas blindness is nothing to a man then christmas is all glad sound warm heartbeats faithful words and please god when the day dawns 
there shall not be a cottage nest in windlecombe that does not overflow with these to see him so deeply moved and hear him run on presently about his many schemes of comfort and relief the furtherance of joy and merriment good will and good cheer to be sown broadcast throughout his little domain was yourself to take the infection irresistibly whatever christmas has become in the great outer world in windlecombe he held us year by year to all the old ideals and traditions as i hearken to him the black sky the sullen miasmic air lost their significance i found myself thinking only of the golden light and undimmed azure that must eternally lie beyond and above it all and now though i might have heard it long ago if i had had but the heart to look up and listen there high against the drab heaven a lark soared and sang the dirty weather has come indeed for many days i have not seen the tops of the hills they have been hidden in the rain clouds that have been dragging ceaselessly over the coombe the rain has not seemed to fall but to flow horizontally from west to east a gliding white curtain of water drops hiding all but the nearest houses from the view and yet for all the deluge and the sobbing wind the gloom the cold the miry ways i would not change this solitary inaccessible spot in england for the best of foreign sunshine ease and gaiety to be found by the tideless sea perhaps if winter is to be given a place at all in the calendar it must come in these few weeks leading on to christmas it is true that so far as the natural outdoor world is concerned there is no winter in the human conception of a season of decay and death in an hour when the sky lightened a little and the rain ceased its rattle on the window i went out and found next year's corn greening the hillside and in all the bare dark woodland there was not a twig without its new buds ripe and ready for another spring the year's miracle play was beginning all over again before its last lines were said yet because as the old vicar maintains winter is a human necessity by reason of its heart-welding neighbour-making qualities winter we must all have and so at this time i am glad to hoodwink myself into the belief that the rough-voiced harrying weather is the very negation of life bringing us all together for mutual comfort like children in the dark the rain is over now seemingly for good last night at sundown the wind fell and the grey cloud canopy lifted off to the northward like the opening of a box 
as the dense cloud pack broke away from the western horizon the sun burst through and poured a sudden stream of red-gold light up the coombe before this light had paled the whole sky was crystal clear and in the east just above the earth line shone the moon a perfect human face full-jowled low-foreheaded gazing down upon us all with a puzzled quizzical smile upon her comfortable chops i came up the street apostrophizing her and ran into a basket and behind the basket was Gruse. he laid a bunch of lean bony fingers in my hand this is life again he said feelingly to be weather-bound in a caravan you know well it is a little trying even for common people but for a genius spellthorn you see cannot bear any constraint at home he has a studio as big as a church and when it rains he walks up and down it but when he tries that in a caravan really i have been very sorry for him though of course i kept outside as much as i could i had turned and strolled back with him under the pale december twilight the new quiet of things the frosty glimmer of the moon here and there a star beginning to show the renovated life of the village about us all made for peace and content Gruse suddenly stopped and laid his basket down spellthorn wants to move on now he told me he says we have painted the place out and i haven't tried to persuade him you know but but i don't want to go and that's a fact he looked at me distressfully his stubbly lantern jaw in his lean hand what has happened to change the place so he asked everybody you meet looks as if bound for a wedding you are all humming carol tunes wherever you go i haven't seen a dirty-faced child for a week and how the people joke and laugh with each other it can't be all because christmas yes it is said i it is all because one old man we love insists on having it so year by year he has been into every home in the village great and small and fired each man woman and child with his own rejoicing spirit if you stop for the next ten days you will see things change more thoroughly still wait till you see them bringing the christmas tree up the hill for the children's treat and the committee going round on boxing day to award the prizes for the home decorations and if you have never heard real old-fashioned carols nor listened to a real christmas sermon preached by a holy angel in a white beard he took up his basket hurriedly if if i must go 
he said as we trudged on towards the quarry where the caravan had made its pitch i shall think of you all wherever i it seems rather selfish to press him don't you think but perhaps oh here we are do come in and talk to spellthorne for a bit will you he sees so little company and is that you at last Grues? my good fellow what an unconscionable time to take in procuring no more than one pennyworth of pepper and just a pound of gravy beef to say that i am excessively annoyed is wholly to understate my of course all my carefully thought-out plans for the meal are entirely upset i drew back into the darkness no not to-night there are times when you cannot stand i mean when a call is not convenient and why on earth don't you tell the selfish old brute to go to smithereens this has been a week of undeniably hard work for us all and one at least is by no means sorry that to-morrow is christmas eve most of the time i seem to have spent on the top of a rickety step-ladder in the schoolroom having tin tacks and bells of holly and gaily coloured flags passed up to me by mr weaverley and the mutually distrustful miss sweet and miss matilda coles tom clemmer helped by half a dozen others brought the great tree up from windle woods and it stands now in its tub of spangled cotton wool a gorgeous sight every branch weighed down with toy-shop treasures the queen doll at its apex brandishing her gilt-starred sceptre high up among the oaken beams of the ceiling every available chair or bench in the village has been confiscated and ranged round the room the tables at the far end fairly creak and groan under their burden of infantile good cheer it is all ready for to-morrow we put in the finishing touches with the last gleam of daylight this evening weaverley and i alone together then he locked the door speechlessly tired and happy and faded away a black but benevolent ghost in goloshes down the length of the darkening street as for me i followed at a respectful distance with no object definitely in view but to smoke a quiet pipe after the day's work and enjoy the unwanted life and bustle of the village thinking it over discriminately it seemed to be a great thing a real advance on the true line of social progress to be strolling about there taking unfeigned pleasure in the sight of two small shops doubtfully illuminated with oil lamps and candles and in the sound made by perhaps fifty people all told as they clattered and chattered to and fro in a single narrow village street there were folk i knew 
wandering just as aimlessly in the crowded thoroughfares of great cities miles away whose ears were deafened with a prodigious uproar and eyes blinded by a myriad superfluous lights but who were not half so entertained so thoroughly instilled with the sense of being one in a hustling happy christmas multitude as i then again of all the thousands that the city promenader meets in the crush of a london street between one electric standard and the next how many can he rightfully greet as neighbour or even remember to have seen before while here was i after a good half-hour's loitering up and down who had encountered none but the old familiar faces nor let one go by without the kind word or friendly glance exchanged truly the scale the mere arithmetic of life goes for nothing it is the proportional the relative that counts there was not so much folly as we imagine in the grave debate of the old philosophers as to how many angels could stand upon a pin's point i tarried a while in the broad beam of light that fell from the window of the village store and in the company of a dozen other loiterers feasted eyes on its yuletide splendour from where i stood on the opposite side of the way it seemed no less than a palace of glittering beauty candles of all colours in little tinselled sconces shone amidst the wares of every day bacon and worsted stockings loaves of bread and tin saucepans butter neckties bars of mottled soap and trousers in moleskin or corduroy the ceiling of the shop which at ordinary times is hidden by hanging festoons of boots basketware hedging gloves coils of rope was intersected now by chains of coloured paper and threadled holly leaves there was a suspended roasting jack in a corner slowly twirling round a grand set piece of christmas knick-knacks and there were two copper coal scuttles the one filled with oranges the other heaped high with bunches of green grapes that made the mouth water a dozen yards away all these i gazed upon and at the jostling throng of housewives at least half a score within and at the red-faced perspiring shopkeeper overdone with business and from the bottom of my heart i rejoiced that they sufficed for me that i should go to bed that night with as complete a sense of having looked on at the great world's yuletide gladness as if i had tired out feet and eyes and nerves in the roaring maelstrom at the elephant or the messina strait of the strand for indeed life and its disciplines its experiences its outcomes can be no mere matters of dimension when we come at last to find eternity and the angels 
they are as like to be on a pin's point as out thronging all the labyrinth of the milky way end of section twenty three